Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Baseball America podcast. Baseball America, bringing you baseball news you can't get anywhere else for more than 35 years. Now it's time to talk baseball. Welcome everyone to an afternoon edition of the Baseball America playoff podcast. Along with J.J. Cooper, I'm John Manuel. Uh, JJ, our, our, our issue production schedule got in the way this morning, so we're uh, coming on this afternoon. We'll still have this up before another uh, two-day, two-game day of uh, huh. postseason Let games. Let me think. Okay, so there's two games today. Which game is going to be on during the afternoon? This they is they alternate hard. those back and forth, right? They, they, it's just like, okay, That's so... It's all the... about fairness for the fans, JJ. That's what it is, I'm sure. Uh, but yeah, we, we have, uh, again, the undercard, the American League Championship Series on the afternoon. And that one's still going, and J.J., uh, this is the one that uh, the complexion of both these series have changed. We had the Indians finally lose a game in the postseason. Their six-game winning streak is over. And we had the Cubs' uh, invincibility cloak uh, definitely uh, lost as they're down in their series against the Dodgers, down two games to one, and back-to-back shutouts, which does not happen very often in the postseason. We'll talk about that in a minute, but... You know, I, I would imagine Game 5 is pretty important for both the, teams, the but for Cleveland, you, you can't let them feel like they're back in this series, can you? Well, we had this discussion yesterday, and Terry Francona is much smarter at this than I am, but this was my reasoning for why I was a little worried about sending Kluber out there in Game 4, Ryan Merritt Game 5, is that if you sent Merritt out there Game 4 and rested Kluber Game 5, well then... If you lose game four, it's like, okay, no big deal. We rested our bullpen. I mean, you, you're essentially, you're not forfeiting that game in any way. Right. But you know Aaron Sanchez versus Ryan Merritt, you're probably going to lose that one. You're at a disadvantage. And then you say, you know what, but we got rested Kluber. And again, if that if we had fallen that way, rested Kluber, rested Miller, rested Cody Allen. Here right. we go. And instead, you have... You do have arrested Miller and Allen, but you now have Ryan Merritt going Game Five. Blue, if I'm the Blue Jays, for a, B, a team that's down three-one, you feel pretty good about at least today. You feel like we should win this game today. We're facing a guy uh, who the main thing is you have today. <laughs> today you, exists, but you not only have today. You are today. You are facing what has to shape up as one of the least, not just experienced but one of the least likely starting pitchers in a postseason game we have ever seen. Ryan Merritt has made one other big league start. Yeah, I think back to uh, uh, what's Reyes' for Anthony Reyes, the former USC mm-hmm. right-hander, who inexplicably became a postseason ace, basically, for the Cardinals in 2006. There was a lot of inexplicable things about that Cardinals team, but Anthony Reyes was a decent prospect. He was a college ace. He was... Mark Pryor's running uh, wingman his last year at at USC. Um, And it had some major league time, a little bit more than Ryan Merritt. The only other other pitcher to do this on one start is a little different. That was Matt Moore. Yes, a little different. That was a little different. Matt Moore was the best pitching prospect in the game at the time. He had coming off of a season where he had dominated in the minors. Nothing against Ryan Merritt, but Ryan Merritt is... 
this is essentially, and you understand why the Indians are doing this, but this is them throwing their number seven starter, number seven, number eight starter from their depth chart for the Basically. season out there in a game. So if you're the Blue Jays, you go, okay, look, if we can win this one, then it's 3-2. All we got to do is win two games. Well, they got to win one first, mm-hmm. um, but this is one where with Marco Estrada versus Ryan Merritt, do you like your chances in Estrada? You know, that, this is the, one of the things that, one of the reasons I thought Toronto was going to win this series. I like their starting pitching and the shape it was in better than, than Cleveland. Uh, JJ, what's the over-under on what inning we see Ant- uh, Andrew Miller? Oh, I, I see the thing to me is is it, I, don't, I think there's about a 35% shot that if he gets in, it's just like literally a bat or two just to keep him fresh or not. You just say he's going to have three full days off. If Toronto just jumps Ryan Merritt. I do not think, I mean, you do have a day off tomorrow. So, you know, if the game's in any way close. Right. If the game's in any way close, he's coming in. That's what I'm saying. If the game is tied in the fourth inning, you're going to see Andrew Miller for a time or two through the lineup. And I agree on that. I just don't know if they can get, again, maybe there is the advantage Nowadays, how it is, it's not like Ryan Merritt's going to go out there and this is going to be who's Ryan Merritt. Which really, if you rewound the clock just 10 years ago, there would be a certain amount of, uh-oh, our advanced stuff, we don't really have much on Ryan Merritt. We weren't, we weren't yeah, prepping boy. for Ryan Merritt. But nowadays, it's like, okay, here's everything from his start at the big league level and what he's done in the big leagues. And then here's video of every start he made in AAA this year. Right. And we've had time to build. There are guys, you know, who can put this all together and, like, here you go. So it's not like Ryan Merritt's going to go out there and it's going to be like, wait, what does he throw or anything like that? But there is sometimes your hope if you're an Indians fan is is there's something to be said sometimes for unfamiliarity with the pitcher. And if you're the Blue Jays, you, you know, there aren't a whole lot of guys in these lineups who are going to be very familiar with Ryan Merritt. Oddly enough, Ryan Merritt did not pitch against Buffalo this year, the Blue Jays AAA affiliate. <laughs> they were so thinking they ahead. Have, maybe they have a little less information on Ryan Merritt than we thought. He has no, he had no starts against uh, Buffalo this year. I'd have to look up his 2015 game-by-game game to I see mean, if he it, faced New Hampshire. It, it sounds funny, but the, the, the thing that is now a difference maker on that compared to a couple of years ago is, is MILB TV. Is MILB TV. But, and you can, you can, there's scouting you can do off that, but you clearly would feel much more confident in your information Absolutely. if you had scouts who saw him then, and your own managers but, and coaches in the AAA had also seen him. Right. It also doesn't hurt, though, that you also have a track man at those levels, too. That, the, the, there's a lot of data. There's no doubt there's going to be right. a lot but of data. But you would love to have... Hey, you know, here's what I noticed. Here's what I saw. And you know, we, I, you know what though, I will say, the crazy thing about it is, is they probably did have someone who saw him, you know, at some point during the year. And it's like that that pro scout was just doing his coverage. That report just became a lot more important. You sure hope so, because he also he saw New Hampshire once in 2015. So they don't, you know, for being in the same league the last two years, they actually don't have a ton of. Here's what we thought about Ryan Merritt when we you saw know, him. When, yeah. you, when you saw him, so um, that is a fascinating matchup, JJ. Um, and we did see, we thought that would be Mike Clevenger who would be that next man up. We saw him yesterday in the in relief. He wasn't great. You could kind of see where why the Indians went uh, Merrick. Because to me, the real surprising thing is they went the left-hander over the right-hander because mm-hmm. it's a pretty right-handed hitting power lineup that Toronto has. You would think Clevenger would have been the better matchup. Yeah, they, but they've been pretty clear about this that they think right. of it as. I mean, this was like when we you know rewind a uh, a, a round ago. Yeah. When it was well, are we going to bring Kluber back or not? 
the guy was, it was not Or Clevenger, it was Brian Merritt. Right, exactly. So I'm a little bit surprised. That, so there's one young left-hander starting in the undercard. We have another young left-hander, a much younger left-hander starting in the in the, the main event tonight. And I'm not talking about the uh, the presidential debate in Las Vegas tonight. I'm talking about L.A., uh, Julio Urias, J.J., going up against the Cubs. And we've seen left-handers, I, I mean, <laughs> that movie was trash, but we've seen trouble with the curve for the Cubs the last two games. And one of them was Clayton Kershaw, but one of them was Rich Hill. I didn't even think he was great Rich Hill. Rich Hill looked hittable yesterday, and the Cubs didn't sniff him, and they have six hits the last two games, seven hits, whatever it is. I, it's in, it, This is suddenly a Cubs lineup that misses Kyle Schwarber's pure field of hit. Yeah, no, it does, and it's funny you were talking about it yesterday. They did move Addison Russell down in the lineup, and so what happened early in the game with the game really before, right? you know, something that could have really, it's one at bat, but it could have changed the game, but with two runners on, if I remember correctly, and I think it was the first inning, Russell's up there, and or it was the second inning maybe, but Russell's up there and strikes out on a curveball, and that, you know, again. That he did right, not want to be up there either. Right now, it is it is a truly a struggle for him. But that leads me to I do want to talk about one of the things I was excited to talk about today is, is Rich Hill. Yeah, because because this is another we talk about Ryan Merritt's unlikely for his lack of uh, resume for this start. Rich Hill's resume is extremely rare and maybe unprecedented to find. You know how they significant say when you, playoff when, you, starter. when you when you apply for the job, really try to keep your resume on one page. <laughs> You yeah, can't do that if you're Rich Hill. If this Rich Hill was sending his to the Atlantic League last year looking for a job, you know, it's like in the league because he did not have a job in affiliated we, ball. We may have just dated ourselves though a little bit because yeah, now resumes on I think page, are, yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, so. but hey, I haven't had to apply for hey, a job in 15 you, years. Thanks. How many how many screens is your LinkedIn page? Yeah, you know? but it, his career. I mean, Rich. Rich Hill was a dude. Uh, this was a guy who always was thought to be uh, always a dude, a, a significant prospect. Uh, I think he peaked out at number five on the Cubs list in after the 2005 season, going into 06. Right, and then not long after that, like it's hard to remember, but had a year where he basically was a regular part of the Cubs rotation for. The entire season, basically, and was pretty good. Yeah, and he made 30, 32 starts, you said? And then, right after that, the control troubles that have really always been the Rich Hill problem. Right. He's always had, not always, I shouldn't say. It hasn't you, been a bug. It's been a feature of Rich Hill's career. It, it, if you go back, actually, and look where we, our draft report of him when he was sophomore eligible, he didn't have the curveball yet. But by his junior year at Michigan, he kind of had the curveball. And ever since then, he's always had this curveball. He's always had enough fastball. You mean so, after he tried to transfer out of Michigan and help get he found Greg, that was a nice, help get uh, uh, Jeff Zahn fired? That's one of the first mentions we have of, of Rich Hill. That, you know, that's 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 when we're digging deep in that's the archive. That's a archive. deep cut. But he always, it never, throughout his career, it was something where when his control went poorly, it really went poorly. Right. He had stretches where he was walking seven, eight, nine per nine. And amazingly, you don't have a whole lot of success when you're doing that. <laughs> How's, how do you figure? So you, know, I mean, you, you usually don't have playoff starters who play with... How many teams did you count up he played for? 23? 23 different professional 
teams. And one of them was the Long Island Ducks. So. Now, I was going to say, did you look this up? Because they say, if you haven't looked it up, I was going to... He has played for eight... I haven't looked it up. Eight major league organizations. And as you start to go through those, I'm going to grab my cheat sheet because I wrote okay. this down. Well, I know we obviously have Dodgers. <laughs> I, can start, I can start with Dodgers and I can go Red Sox and Athletics and Cardinal, not Cardinals, Nationals. But I do think Cardinals because I'm pretty sure I saw Derek Gold tweeting about him. So Cardinals, Athletics, Dodgers, Red Sox, and Nationals for sure. We mentioned Cubs. So that's six that I'm very confident in. The other two I'm not going to be confident in. Those would just be shots in the dark. So I, I know you're looking for your cheat I sheet. I can't find my cheat sheet, but I do remember. So Baltimore or- and Cleveland are the other two. Orioles is the one. Oh, and he's also is he this a Yankee? Angel. He was an Angel. He was a Yankee. But in the major leagues, uh, they're, they're different. So I think it's more than eight organizations. Because there's Baltimore and there's the Angels. And I'm pretty sure that Cardinals and Nationals have been. I do not know. I know. That's minor the thing. He didn't. He, no, not in the yeah, major yeah. leagues. Yeah, I was talking about eight. Sorry. I was saying eight. <laughs> major league organizations? If I remember correctly. Because Syracuse in 2015, that's clearly the Nationals. And the Yankees. Oh, that was in the major leagues. Yeah. Okay. Wow. I didn't know. I, I missed that one over here. That's a, it's a lengthy. Uh, he's been released multiple times. He reached major league free agency this offseason, but he's gone through minor league free agency so many times that he he knows better than the agents do the rules of minor league free agency at this point. He's had his contract sold twice. He's been released, and then all of a sudden here you are, and it is a it's Dodgers, Oakland, Cubs, Baltimore, Boston, Cleveland, Angels, and Yankees. And at this point, that's I, a I, lot. I do feel like. He has 38 career wins in that span. That's not a lot. No. And that's and after winning 11 be... games, uh, 17 games his first two seasons. So he was on his way to being a perfectly good starter in his first you know, 42 outings with the Cubs and just fell apart. And here's the crazy question is, is that now, and you are talking about the guy who may be the best free agent starting pitcher on the market this offseason. There's a lot of weird going on here. <laughs> now, the not but, weird would have been the Cubs just beating him, the Cubs steamrolling the Dodgers, the Cubs were the best team in the regular season. Now, J.J., I mean, I imagine that there's some comfort in the fact that John Lackey is a very experienced playoff starter. Right, but, but he's you have like, to... I guess he's third right down active pitchers and, and wins in the postseason. He's pitched on... Uh, it does help. Bumgarner, CeCe Sabathia, and then Lackey um, are the three active leaders and wins, so... John Lackey knows how to go five innings and, and leave with a lead, you know, for what that's worth. But he is facing a pitcher tonight who, I'll, the thing I do not worry about, I'm not saying that the Cubs may get to Julio Urias tonight. They're not going to get to him because he's the youngest pitcher to ever start a postseason game, and he's, and it's going to be too big for him. That does not concern me. I don't, I'm not he, even worried about that either. He was good against the Nats the other day, and there was a lot on the line. He is the guy, he is every bit if Lackey is, hey, I'm going to give you five good ones to get out. We know Urias is not going to give you a complete game tonight or anything like that. Yeah. But they're looking for maybe two two times through the order, and then let's see what happens. Right. You know? But I, it would not surprise me at all if you said at the end of four, at the end of five today, it's he has not given up any runs. It would not surprise me at all if he got through five, having given up no runs, and then got pulled before the sixth. Yeah, no, absolutely. JJ, do you see anything when you watch the Cubs hitters? Because that was actually one of the things I was trying to bear down on yesterday when I watched. 
Is there anything that you see from Anthony Rizzo or Addison Russell that explains their uh, these valleys they're going through right now? And do you think the Cubs have any other? Does, does Joe Madden have any other rabbits to pull out of his hat uh, in, the, in terms of the lineup that you would expect him to change, or that you could see him changing as the series goes along to try to coax a little bit more offense out of this lineup? I, I'm I'm one who I I'm a really boring for these kind of things because. If what I do think happens is it's a much bigger spotlight, but Definitely. these troughs and peaks and valleys and all happen all through the season, and when they happen during the season, you have time that you just get out of them. You know, you you will have stretches during the season when Addison Russell looks as lost as he looks right now, right? And then you have a day where you go two for two, two for four, or you go three for four, and all of a sudden that's behind you because there is a part of hitting that is. When you feel confident at the plate, right. good things happen. Definitely. When you're scuffling, bad things happen because... And they get you, magnified this time of year for sure. And they get magnified. It may be that those two basically go through... could be a bad next couple of games. All of a sudden, they're eliminated. And you go, wow, they just really choke for the playoffs. Right. But at the same time, I do think that that would be more that they ran out of games than it is that... I don't think that... That's right. I, I don't think it's the spotlight. I don't think it's anything other than... As a hitter, hitters are their streaks, their good streaks, their bad streaks. And it is very unfortunate for the Cubs because this is a lineup that there's nothing about this where you say this lineup is flawed and here's where their their flaws are being exposed. Right. And you know, and on the season they were better against left-handed pitchers than they were against right-handed pitchers. They were 267, 357, 449 slash line against lefties. 252, 338, 421 against righty. So I mean, it wasn't just Bryant. I mean, like Rizzo held his own against left-handed pitching. And uh, Addison Russell was second on their team with nine home runs against left-handed pitching. They just aren't getting it done. I don't but, think it's anything that's structural. Like but the saying. thing about it is, is the last two days, okay, one of those was against Clayton Kershaw. Clayton Kershaw can do a very good job of, of making you, uh, you know, look really cold. And This is true. And Rich Hill. And I agree with you, it wasn't like Rich Hill at his absolute best, but it was effectively like it was. Rich Hill, when he's been healthy this year, has been one of the better pitchers in baseball. Now, he wasn't healthy for a good bit of the year. Right. But so, they have gotten shut down the last two days. This is not the, hey, you faced Josh Tomlin, and you know what? why did the Blue Jays not score? This is facing two really good pitchers. Rich Hill, <laughs> there's a reason that the Dodgers gave up an awful lot of pitching talent for Rich Hill. When Rich Hill was on the DL, yeah. and you didn't know even exactly when you would have him coming back. I mean, like, and like you said, impending free agent, and they still gave up Jarrell Cotton. I really like Jarrell Cotton. Jarrell uh, Cotton, Grant Holmes, Grant and, Holmes and their Frankie first round Montas. pick two years ago. I'm not on Frankie Montas. I, Frankie, I, I mean, he has value. He's the third of those three guys right, for but, me, but Frank, easily. But Frankie, if you but told, it was 100. if you told me that Frankie Montas though ends up going into a pen and has three or four years of very effective work, like I would be stunned. See, I'm not. I would be stunned. His fastball doesn't play like an eight fastball. No, he but it plays velocity. But it, so. but it plays like a six or seven. Which if you put that in the pen, that still is. We seen it's a seventh inning guy, a yeah. sixth inning guy. He's Brian Shawish. We, where you... That's just not. I mean, he throws harder, but I'm not convinced. To me, that. To me, Frankie Montas is four years exist. of Bryant, but four, Jarrell Cotton. Right. You put him in the bullpen. Oh. He's a closer. Right. Makeup. 
premium I, secondary I, pitch, and I think he's a star. The funny thing is, is yeah, we're not, we're not, we both agree on this. I just think like the four years of Brian Shaw. If you give me four years of Brian Shaw, they're actually at five hundred and fifty thousand dollars per year. Right. There's value to that. There is value to that, but I mean, I, I just don't think of him as any. Uh, he's overblown as a prospect in prospect circles, in, in my uh, humble opinion. Um, I, I, but 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 Rich Hill was not overblown by the Dodgers. He did what they that, that that even if it's just that start. If they lose the rest of the series without him pitching, him giving them the lead in the series, that's what they were looking for mm-hmm. when they went out and traded for Rich Hill. The still other surprising part for me is the, Do- the the Cubs weren't able to get to the Dodger bullpen. Basically, the Dodger bullpen is, I'm going to stitch this together pitcher by pitcher. Oh. Joe Blanton and Grant Dayton are getting important outs for this team. Retired dude and dude who was available in last year's Rule 5 draft. And then, and then But it's all getting to Kenley Jansen. And Kenley Jansen's the other guy in this postseason who's kind of building a little legend for himself, J.J. He's got this great backstory. Um, yeah, another Curacao guy who's uh, making an impact in the major leagues. And, I mean, like, it seems like The Dutch national should... team is really bummed by this because the innings he's throwing here is going to make it harder for them to get him for the WBC. Yeah, we're, we're the, Puerto Rico is to the 2017 WBC as the, the the Netherlands was the 2013. So we'll just we'll get that out of the way early. We'll have to have a WBC podcast soon, but Kyle will be angry if we have that without mm-hmm. him. Uh, but for me, like Jansen's the guy who's like the star, and where you know the cutter's coming, and if it's two strikes, everybody you don't even have to look back and sneak a peek to see if Grandal's stand, standing up. You know he's doing it. You know you're getting a high cutter. That's why last weekend of the season when David Dahl got on top of one of those and hit a home run for the Rockies, I was like, holy crap, David Dahl, how did you do that? Because none of the Cubs have been able to do it, and none of the Nationals were able to do it either. It's not an unhittable pitch because I saw David Dahl do it. But it is. What is, you can't get behind that guy two strikes. He finishes everyone off. It's That's not easy this that's time of year. not easy when you literally... And he's you, doing it every time. It's you, really impressive. I... I, I if you want to talk about a dominant pitch, a dominant pitch to me is the one, which is what Mario Rivera did for 15 I'm years. I'm throwing you a cutter. Right, where the catcher literally is like, you know, we're not doing signs. Cutter. Yeah, exactly. Okay. What's coming next? Cutter. I mean, which is when yeah. Grandal's answer, I loved in that interview, you know, after the game, right. it was like pretty much, what did he you know? What a 97-mile-hour cutter. 97-mile-hour cutter. 97 I mean, because it is. It is. That is. The funny thing about it is, is the cutter is, if you said what is... At its best, the most dominant pitch in baseball. The best cutters are the best cutter the, that are the most dominant pitch because it's also the pitch that changes pitchers from like a, a non guy to a guy more than anything else because, in baseball today. Because the cutter, if you think about every other great pitch you're talking about, if you talk about Andrew Miller's slider, Andrew Miller's slider is something where there is something in the back of your head. The effectiveness of that slider stems in at least in part from the fact that you're looking at it and going, is this fastball or slider? Right, right. The cutter, and again, I understand that fastball and cutter, you can play off each other. Kelly Jansen's not playing his cutter off of his fastball. He's just throwing the cutter. And it doesn't matter because when it has that kind of, that movement, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Yeah, the thing that... The I mean, thing, again, that's what Rivera did for 15, 20 years. The amazing thing to me about Jansen, too, is that, you know, they keep showing the video of him as a catcher. He doesn't throw like a catcher. I remember when he got converted, Logan White telling me, like, hey, when you see him, remember that this guy was a catcher. Because his arm action doesn't look like a catcher. And it's you funny, we've of, seen... Like, a, yeah, Troy Percival was a converted catcher. Jason with, Mott. Jason Mott. Those are the two converted catchers that stick out in my head. 
of short arm action catcher to pitcher conversion. Henry Owens was a guy, the right-handed Henry Owens, did it for the for the Mets and the Pirates. It's funny. Then I'm thinking of then like uh, guys like who was the uh, the Cardinals conversion guy who didn't make it out of. He had a great Rowan year in the FSL. No, Rowan Wick is now the you know yeah. guy I'm trying to now. He's an outfielder. He was an outfielder. I mean, the Cardinals have done this a thousand times because oh, Robert Stock. Robert, I'm not even thinking about Robert Stock, who is a better version okay. of that. Who was, but I will name. It's, uh, but he blew his arm out when he got to Double A. But he was the worst form arm of action. catcher oh, arm okay. action that you would see on the map. It's like a bow and arrow delivery that you see, and Kelly Jansen has always, I guess, from day one, looked like a pitcher, and he looked like a pitcher. When he first converted, he's looked like a pitcher ever since he became the Dodgers' closer. And what a weapon he's become. And the uh, you know, Dodgers obviously are relying very heavily on him. And yesterday their their offense was pretty impressive, J.J. And considering the last time that Jake Arrieta pitched there, he left the game in, in his full-body pajamas after his no-hitter. Um, <laughs> a little bit different outcome. A little bit different Jake Arrieta. He's definitely vincible. He's not invincible in any way. No, and, You're human. And, and that is what you say how much is, has he gone from having that magic year, which really for him, it does feel like in some ways it was a magic year in some ways, is that this was Rich Hill versus Jake Arrieta and it comes, the outcome happens like it did and you don't come out of it saying, wow, the Dodgers really stole him there. Right, no, you don't. Which so. if that happened the night before, when you would have said, you know, if, if, if you beat, if the Cubs and you beat Kershaw, you feel like you did steal one. So a different dynamic after yesterday's games. Today's games are going to be uh, pretty. I, I I think they'll be fascinating. That that pitching matchup, the Estrada Merritt pitching matchup, is fascinating. And I wouldn't want to go back to Cleveland if I were the Indians. I would not want Again, Toronto to this is, get on that plane. That would be the happy flight to end all happy flights in some ways. I I, I this is you you made the approach. I understand it, and it does mean that it keeps Kluber available as an option in some way for Game Seven, but. The downside of it is, is that it does now. It's it's a rockier path because what you're talking about is Merritt, Tomlin, and probably Kluber. Yeah, Corey Kluber. We just had the article that uh, Jason Stark wrote. That's in the next edition of the magazine, talking about, you know, um, talking about how there's no more aces anymore and how rare it is to get what Bumgarner has done. Corey Kluber gonna try to do it. I mean, like in the old days, you set up your ace to go one four seven. Doesn't happen very often anymore, but Corey Kluber is set up to do that. Toronto would love to have him do that. They would love to get to Game Seven. Right now, they're just trying to get to Game Six. So we'll we'll talk about it tomorrow morning, earlier in the next Baseball America Playoff Podcast. But for JJ, I'm John. Enjoy the games this afternoon and this evening, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow morning. So long, everybody. This concludes our program. Want more in-depth baseball coverage? Be a better fan. Visit baseballamerica.com to get more comprehensive baseball coverage. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.